Hello and welcome to another edition of the Dato Download Podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spreadling, along with my co-host, Jack Smith, and it's officially game week. That's right. The 2024 college baseball season begins this Friday. Jack, how are you planning to celebrate? Well, Shotgun, I'm jealous you'll be out there in Arizona. I'll be watching, I believe, on MLB TV when USC plays out there in Arizona. Thank you for the invite. Would have loved to crash with you, but yeah, got stuff to do this weekend. I think there's a USC men's volleyball game and a lacrosse game that I'm obligated to be at, but I will be checking my phone and I will be probably watching the streams from Arizona. Air quotes. Obligated. Oh, you got a job or something. Whatever. Oh. I'll be out in the desert. I'll get a chance to check out USC along with some other Pac-12 and Big Ten schools. I'm not going out there just to see USC, but I definitely will be catching them. You know, for any newcomers that don't know, we just mentioned USC baseball. The Dato Download Podcast is a USC baseball podcast. We break down the latest news and developments about the Trojans program. And this week, we'll be completing our season preview series. We've had head coach Andy Stankowitz on to talk about the unique challenges of the 2024 season. We've also had Travis Jewett on last week to talk all things hitting. So this week, Shotgun, we turn our focus to the sacred circle that is the pitcher's mound to dive into what the Trojans have on the pitching side. We'll talk with USD pitching coach Seth Etherton about his group, which includes several experienced returners and simultaneously several exciting newcomers. You know I love talking pitching as a former pitcher, so we'll get to that. But the Dato Download is part of the Peristyle Podcast family of shows. So as always, we ask you guys to make sure you like, share, subscribe to the Peristyle Podcast and your favorite podcast listening platform so you don't miss any of our new episodes talking all things USC, from football, recruiting, basketball, and the Dato Download brings you the baseball. We are a wide range of shows. We've got a little bit of everything for everyone. Also, please leave us a review as we continue to try to grow the show, and we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you specify which show it is for in the email headline so it gets directed to the right place. The Super Bowl was last night's shotgun. The Chiefs won. Patrick Mahomes, MVP, former pitcher himself, also I, okay. I, I saw him pitch in college. I saw him pitch at Texas Tech. Did not remember that I saw him pitch. He was unmemorable. It was a blowout game down at San Diego State. Uh, I, I don't remember even who won. I think San Diego State won. But it was like an eight-run game. He pitched an inning in the eighth or ninth uh, of the game. I didn't even go down and get photos of him because it was probably like game six of a weekend for me or something. So I had a chance to get photos of Patrick Mahomes pitching in college because he didn't pitch a ton. He only pitched his freshman year, and he only pitched, I want to say, five, six, seven appearances, and I was at one of them. So I was there for the beginning. Let me just say that. Yeah, he's become a little bit memorable in football, at least. But with the Super Bowl <laughs> passing, that means it is officially baseball season. Baseball reigns supreme in America now. And who better to talk to than USC pitching coach Seth Atherton? Let's go to that interview. We now welcome in our guest for this week's episode, USC pitching coach and Trojans legend Seth Atherton. Seth, thanks for taking the time. We're excited to get you back on the show. Excited to see what you guys can do this year. Thank you for having me. You know, it's uh, it's an exciting time for us to get moving here. We start up this next week in Arizona in a tournament. And I'm excited. You know, we're healthy. We're ready to roll. We have some roles established. And um, I'm excited what the Trojans are going to put on the mound this year and um, how our team's going to compete. Yeah, you mentioned that you have some some roles established. How big is an impact is it to basically have a full weekend rotation returning and have some guys already in the bullpen that you, you know what they can do? It's really important. You know, I think the first off, First off, you kind of look at the experience these guys had last year. A guy like Caden Aoki came into the pack last year for the first time, and he had a fantastic year. He's going to be leading us off this next Friday um, to start the season. Then, then we roll in with Tyler Stronsborg and 
and Eric Hammond, all three guys started for us last year. So now we have experience. We have some leadership going through this. And then we lost our, our, our two-headed monster at the end of the uh, game last year, um, Mr. Garrett Clark and Kyle Wish. So now it's replacing them. We've, we've, we've grabbed some good pieces um, with, shoot, we have uh, Channing Austin. We, we have Jared Ficus. We have um, – Xavier Martinez, you know, we, you had the Josh Blum in there. And, and so, you know, the Brock Bladders, and we have some young guys coming through um, to, to, to bolster the middle. So realistically, I mean, right now we have 20 healthy arms. That's my staff. And these guys, I think all of them will contribute significantly this year. Now the, the piece moving forward is how do I use them? Or how, you know, coach and I use them and, and move forward with it. But I like our rotation. Um, our, our weekday starter right now is going to be Mason Edwards, a lefty out of Palos Verdes, who um, he can do some things. It's it, it's a it's a really nice young arm that um, has really good stuff, and I think the thing that really sets him apart is is the mindset that he has. Yeah, you know, we'll have a chance to ask you about some of the individual guys, but as you look at that twenty healthy arm staff as a whole, what do you think the biggest strength is of the staff? Our competitiveness. We don't give in. That that's one thing about these guys. That's one thing I think when we stepped forward last year onto campus as a new staff, that we're gonna set forth ground rules and how this culture is gonna be built, as cliche as that is, but it's um it's something that we pride ourselves in with our relentless work ethic. And these guys have bought in, they've worked extremely hard, they understand themselves, and now they know that we've we, you know, we've done these inner squad games for the last so many weeks and in all fall and now it's it's go time we face some really good hitters and our our, our offensive team is really good so um we're prepared we're healthy and and we're ready to roll on the other side of that what do you still want to learn i mean it, you do have some guys that you, you already know what they can do a little bit so what is there still to learn about this group is it just figuring out that back end or is there something else you're looking at you know yeah i i think the biggest question always is how are they going to compete between the lines against another team? You know, we can do it against ourselves week in, week out. That's fine. But now when we have three umpires out there, we have fans in the stands, we have those things going. How do they react to that? Um, where do the nerves play play a part? And that's my job as a pitching coach, just to help these guys understand how to, to manage those nerves, how to breathe, how to, how to stay relaxed, how to stay aggressive and confident and be able to zone out and, and do their job. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Again, we're really excited and, um, you know, we're going to have some good times. Another challenge you guys would be dealing with playing all of your home games, kind of away from home, not on the campus anymore. How have you and your pitchers been dealing with that challenge? Good. Bring it on. You know, we, we were poor last year on the road. Now we're playing every game this year on the road. What a great challenge for us. They've accepted it. They know what it's like. And for me, it's a it's a great time for me to develop them how how to manage time how to do certain things where you're always on the road I mean it's that pro ball li uh, lifestyle and atmosphere of how to do these things you have to adapt and these guys are going to learn they're going to learn a ton and they're going to rise to the occasion and um, and pitch very well with with pitchers as long as you got a mound and a catcher you can pretty much get your work done are you guys able to do a lot of your work on campus uh, you know uh, when you're doing individual work and stuff. Um, outside of practice, or is there been some unique challenges with that as well? Some and some. You, you know, we, we've shifted everything to morning practices. 
which is which is different from last year. Um, and these guys have shown up. I, I give them credit. It's 8 a.m. and we're on the field going. They've shown up and they're ready to go. So, you know, in terms of the locations, yes, we've been at data. We're able to use the cages and the bullpens and some of the outfield, which has worked out well. And then we're over at junior college, uh, El Camino Junior College in Torrance. And then now we transition to Irvine at the Great Park there. Um, yeah, it's just we're going to make it happen. You know, there, there are no excuses. You know, it, this, this is this is what we get to deal with. And, and it's going to make us tougher, more resilient. And we're going to be good. We know you guys have been doing some scrimmages in OC, kind of behind closed doors. What are some of the biggest takeaways that you've had from seeing your guys in that competitive environment and the split squads? You know what? Again, our competitiveness. These guys don't give in. Our our energy, our our intent with every pitch that we're making, the understanding. Um, I like seeing them shake. I give them, you know, they have the ability to shake pitches, and that that that's a good thing. They need to understand how to develop and what they're capable of doing, you know, mentally and physically in in those positions. And um, they've done. They've made really good decisions. So I'm really excited for them. I, I think they feel it. That, that they're well-prepared and they're ready to roll. One of the things I'm always the most interested in following baseball each year is see who makes that big jump, especially in college. You, you A lot of times it's freshman or sophomore, but it can be any, uh, any way someone d- develops a new pitch or just gets their mindset right. Who's taking the biggest jump from last season for you? Well, right now I'd have to go with Channing Austin. He um, He's coming off of Tommy John, so when I first got the job, he was one of the first calls I, I had and he was in the Cape Cod league playing. And he just said, Hey coach, I, I think I hurt my arm, my elbow. I'm like, okay, get looked at by the trainer. So I've never seen this, this young man throw a baseball, but getting to know him for this last year, taking him through throwing progressions and, and throwing programs, cleaning up the delivery, getting him right. It's um, I'm really, really excited for him. Just a great young man who's done a gr- great things on and off the field and really helped our other pitchers. Um, so there's a great leadership role. And and honestly, there, there's the guys like the Brock Bladders who didn't get a whole lot of chances in, in Alabama last year. He stepped up. He's he's put in tons of work. He's just got he's just a, such a great young man as well and great competitor and athlete. Um, Xavier Martinez, you come from Cal State uh, Northridge and the, the, the ones like a Jared Ficus. I mean, we got some pieces, you know, Je- uh, Josh Blum has stepped up. Just, I mean, his overall from from body to to self discipline to work ethic, everything is moving up. So I think we're starting to feel this group of twenty guys kind of leaning on each other. We talk about accountability amongst each other that they're holding each other accountable. So everyone's this whole staff is starting to rise and do some really good things. And um, but those are the, those are a few guys I think that are really going to stand out that that haven't stand, stood out yet. When you went into the transfer portal this offseason for a guy like Xavier Martinez, for a Jared Ficus or a Brock, Brock Ladder, what were some of the things that you were looking for and how'd you settle on those guys? I'm always looking for really good athletes. That That's one thing. You know, we know we lost the pieces to the back end of our bullpen last year, so we, we had some roles to fill. These guys have been successful, and then you get a guy with just this this big body out of Montana, uh, Brock Bladder, and ex-quarterback and these things and so there's some toughness there and um you know now it, that that's what it was just trying to find the best athletes and obviously you go over video you you talk to a lot of people and 
and see if that's they're going to fit that mold that we're looking for. And they have, they've stepped up, they've led. And I look for variety. I like every different arm slot, you know, kind of like the Tampa Rays, what they did with their bullpen, um, different, different profiles of movements, um, different velocities. You know, I'm not one that's going to shoot only for velocity. I want guys to be able to pitch backwards, give different looks, different angles, different funkiness. So that, that's, that's one thing. With Xavier Martinez, he's pretty interesting to me because of his versatility. And you talk about variety, and you can use him in different roles. Is he going to fill that Blake Sodderson role? Of possibly, I, I think he he might fill that role. Um, depending, you know, the main thing right now is keeping everyone healthy. We keep everyone healthy, then we have our four starters. But if we need a guy, you know, we've expanded Xavier um, with multiple innings this year um, as a starter. So. Again, it's a backup, but again, he could be that really strong swing guy that we can go to. You guys had a couple of people that would throw, you know, out of the bullpen a couple innings. I know Fisher Johnson was one last year that did that. And I was actually with him this summer when he was working as a starting pitcher. Who are some of those guys maybe out of the bullpen that you could rely on for multiple innings at a time? Yeah, it's going to be a Fisher Johnson. It's going to be a, a Michael Ebner. Um, we have some young freshmen that are that are coming through, um, some left-handed arms. We have a Dylan Tostrup, who's a junior college arm as well. So we have some options and they've all been built up. They've all been broken down. They've been rebuilt back up. So um, this process has been um, scripted. And so everyone ha- can go three innings if needed to be. Someone you want to go a little bit more than that. Kay Naoki at the front of the rotation. Uh, you, you know, he was D1 baseball. You know, I worked for D1 baseball, but he was our preseason Pac-12 pitcher of the year. Something that hasn't happened for USC since 2005 with Ian Kennedy what does he have to do to accomplish that feat? Where is he taking his game to to another level? Um, I, I think for for Caden, it's just refining and executing a little better. He he's added at an arsenal now that um, plays with the curveball and a little sharper breaking slider. I, I would say it's just shorter and sharper with him. Uh, the changeup always plays, and the velo is going to jump a little bit. For him, he, he's an all-around pitcher. That, that's what he does, and he's a fantastic athlete, very strong mindset, and he's doing some really good things. So for him, you kind of just let Caden go and do his thing, and um, he's going to really compete. Obviously, he pitched on Saturday for you guys last year, and Tyler Stromsburg did some some good things for you guys on Friday. What went into the decision to switch that and have Caden go on Fridays? Um, I, I just think, you know, obviously with Caden's success last year, um, we felt that he had a really, really strong fall and he's, he's led differently. You know, he's not the new guy now on the team. He, he's, he stepped up. He's, he took another, um, pitchers under his wing and, and he's done some really good things and he's, he's earned that spot. And, and until he, he doesn't succeed in that spot, he'll, he'll be our guy. What's interesting is we've heard nothing but positive things and, and maybe it's just because it's the off season, but we've heard nothing but positive things about, Aoki and Stromsborg and Hammond that they've all kind of taken some jumps. Uh, where have you seen, you know, uh, Stromsborg and, and Hammond take some, some uh, progress forward? Another thing with um, Tyler Stromsborg is he's, he has refined. He has a much better idea of his pitches. Now we kind of had to retool him last year. Uh, he's trying to be a forcing guy up in the zone that that wasn't very conducive to his arm slot or the dexterity with his fingers and, and wrist. So we got a more true sinker two seam slider um and and just really refining the changeup. so now he understands how to work all three pitches to both sides of the plate he understands the sequencing now so i think on the mental side for him he's in a really good spot he's worked extremely hard um and then with eric hammond he's healthy 
you know, anyone that comes back from Tommy John surgery, that first year is just kind of feeling your way back in, figuring out your delivery. I mean, you're you're off for, you know, 12 to 15 months of not really understanding how to pitch. And you get back in there. So last year was a great learning experience for him. And I, I went through the same thing. I had to figure it out as well. And that you can talk to anyone that's gone through a Tommy John. It's that first year, it's tough mentally, physically, um, even emotionally. You're you're trying to figure a lot of things out. So um Eric's been great, you know, probably one of the hardest workers on our team, really good head on shoulders. And he's he he he's in a really good spot mentally, understanding who he is now and what he's capable of doing. And he has shined all fall and into this spring. So I'm really excited for him. I think our whole staff, our whole team is really excited for him making this a a great year. Well, Andy mentioned that Eric just looked like a completely different guy from last year. What are maybe some examples the first kind of time that you noticed that he looked different from last year? You know, whether that was, you know, during his running, during his time actually on the mound. What are some examples of when you finally first noticed it? Yeah, you can see you, as soon as he got back to campus, he, you can tell he was different. He trained extremely hard. Uh, the body's moving better. He is more athletic. Um, the arm strength is back. Um you know, in terms of delivery stuff, we worked on some stuff last year, just to try to get them a little more efficient and, and powerful staying through the ball and creating better direction. I, I think he, he really bought in and um, he came back and we talked all summer and, and he just said, I'm feeling good. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So he's a true student of the game who really understands himself and what he wants to do. Cause he wants it. He wants to be a major leaguer uh, really bad. And um, he doesn't let anything get in his way. So I just think now the confidence level, the hard work he's put in, the delivery is cleaned up. And like all pitchers, we're always working on something. But for for him, he he's so much more refined now, and he's just in a really good spot. I thought it was interesting you mentioned how you've gone through Tommy John surgery and having that experience. How, do, how does that relatability help you with pitchers? Because, unfortunately, it is something that you're going to have someone on your staff going through it feels like almost every year. So, you know, as, as a coach, how does it help having that experience and being able to to talk uh, your guys through it as well? Yeah, I think that's one thing that kind of sets me apart from most pitching coaches is that number one, you know, my, my pitching experience at the highest level and, and in college as well. Um, but they are the surgeries I've gone through. It, it's, it's the, the knowledge that I've gained through my surgeries and rehab I honestly don't think I'd be here if I didn't go through those just because it's allowed me to make that connection with my pitchers and have them understand that I've been in their shoes. I've, and then I explained to them, I said, I said, gentlemen, you know, anything that you're feeling, I guarantee you I've been through, please use me as that soundboard. Let me help you because I've had the best in the world. Help me get right. Um, from with Cincinnati Reds, you know, my shoulder surgery was two years. I had Lonnie Soloff, my physical therapist, who's, amazing and he, and he runs all the medical for the Cleveland Indians now and um or the Guardians and um he's I just learned so much and it, it was a daily process so I'm able to take the this information and throw all my physical therapy and just relate to these young men and I, that that's the one thing having them feel confident that they can talk to me about anything even if they're not feeling good that day good tell me I've been there you know I I just I want them to understand that I'm relatable I've done it. I've been in their shoes. And I know what it's like because this game can be depressing. It can be tough, um, but I'm here to help them. I, I think that that's one thing that I have to establish very early with these young men that that I am there for them and that I have struggled the way they have struggled. And um, 
It's just owning it and, and knowing that there's someone there to help them. Another thing you've been through is success at USC and with that comes expectations. And now after the year that you guys had last year, you know, leading the Pac-12 and ERA, having a bounce back season from years past, you've got expectations coming into this year. How have you dealt with that as kind of the leader of this pitching staff and how have you seen the guys respond? Well, the pack is fine. That That's good. We, we, you know, we pitched well last year. We could have pitched a lot better. Now we have our national goals. We have what we want to do as a, as, as a national pitching powerhouse. We have our goals. These guys are ready for it. We're doing some great things. We're opening a lot of eyes. And I think people are starting to see what we're capable of doing. Um, scouts are around getting calls. It's, it's going to be good. Uh, and I think these guys are up for the challenge because I think the most important thing is now we have 20 pitchers. How often are you going to pitch? You get, you guys, it's, it's, they're competing against each other. And I told them, I said, hey, it's not against the hitters, fellas. This is about you guys competing against each other to be the best. And if we have all, every one of you guys competing to be the best on this team, our staff will be very, very good. And that's how we go. And now we have our own set goals and how we're going to go about it. And we're going to push each other, hold each other accountable. And just as much as they need to hold me accountable as well. Yeah, and it feels like that's something we're seeing from the entire roster, just more depth and more options uh, for the coaching staff. Um, How have you guys, how do you nurture that? You know, because you want that competition, especially in fall, you'll be able to get it. But once you get on the field against opponents, you're not going to be able to get everyone out there at the same time. So how do you continue to to, uh, foster that competitive environment, um, even when guys aren't getting on the mound all the time, uh, like they would be in the fall? You know, from the pitching standpoint, I got I have to do my job and keep everyone ready. Whether it be more bullpens, maybe in our practice uh, days, we we throw in some live hitters, keep guys sharp. That's my job. I, these guys have to be ready to go in at a moment's notice, and um, then they get their opportunity, and they're they're gonna they're gonna keep on competing against each other. You know, that's why I want we want a competitive environment on a daily basis, from catch play to PFP to infield outfield type stuff, works bunt plays. All those things from bullpens to how they go about their running, how they go about their their work ethic in the weight room, even even in in the classroom. So they know that they're being watched. They know they're being evaluated and they know that what we have as a staff on the pitching side is extremely important and they're going to be held accountable by me and and but more importantly, each other. The good news is you guys don't have to wait too much longer for the season to start. Obviously, three games this weekend against three different teams out in Arizona. Do you expect to play that as an opportunity to get everyone at least you know a chance or two? Or do you want to play it like a regular weekend series where you've got your starters, let them go as long as possible, and then uh, you know do everything you can to win the game with the best out there? Yeah, uh, we've built up our starters. They just won five innings each this last weekend. So they're built up. We've progressed that from day one in the fall. So they're ready to go. They can get probably 90, 95 pitches. Um, and then we go, we're, we're, we're going to, we're here to win. Um, we're not going to take any game. Oh, we got, no, these guys have had all fall and all spring to compete and earn their roles. Now that was up to them. So now we have our guys that we're going to go with because we feel they are the best suited for us to win. And we're going to move from there. We get a chance to get some guys in there because you'll have two midweek games as well. So five games in the first week of action. Uh, We look forward to seeing how you kind of manipulate that and do it. But Seth, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the Dato Download podcast. Well, guys, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you guys later.
With that, we'll jump into our break, and then Jack and I will be back to further dissect the Trojans pitching staff and take a quick look at USC's first weekend of action. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back from the break. Make sure to check out our sponsors. And also, please like, subscribe, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, again, if you have any questions, comments, requests, you can send them into podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you put Dato Download or Baseball Pod in the headline to make sure it gets directed to us. Now, Jack, we're not going to go around the horn like we did last week, kind of breaking down all the positions, because we kind of know what it's going to be. We know, we know the starters. Now the, the back end is a little bit in flux, and there's a, a, several different options. So I think they may play some matchups there. So let's jump straight into superlatives. You know, you have written down some here. I'm going to try to be different than you, even though we'll see if, if that's the, the possible. But, you know, what superlatives do you have for us this week on the mound? Yeah, well, we started last week with the offensive ones, just overall best hitter. That one was easy with Austin O'Vern. It's a similar ease on the pitching side. USC's best pitcher is Caden Aoki. You know, D1 Baseball, as you talked about with Seth Etherton, predicts him to be the Pac-12 pitcher of the year, and rightfully so. He led all USC and Pac-12 starting pitchers in ERA a season ago with a 2.98 ERA through 63 and a third innings in 11 starts. He was really good after transferring in from Notre Dame. Weren't really sure what to expect with him. He started, you know, starting some weekend games and then eventually at the end of the season he was USC's best starter they kept him on Saturdays but it's nice to hear some clarification now from Seth Etherton that he will go on Fridays I thought that you know maybe they could keep him on Saturdays just because I thought he's that perfect stopgap where even if you lose on Friday you feel really confident he's going to go out there and get you a win and even up the series but you also can go take a you know 1-0 series lead on Fridays with him on the mound so he is easily USC's best pitcher in my eyes and he will be the first one out there when when USC starts the season on Friday he will be he'll be their best pitcher, you know, as far as the numbers, as far as for college. He's not their best pro prospect. That's a different category. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's just such a good he's such a good pitcher. You know, he pitches well. He pitches backwards if he needs to. He can use his changeup basically in any count. He's just dynamic and flatline on the mound. Like he has doesn't show any emotion. He just goes out there and, and dominates you. And you kind of look up as a hitter and you're like, wait, how's this guy? you know, getting us out over and over and over, like his stuff's not overwhelming, but he just knows how to mix it really well. And he knows how to locate. And that's, that's the gem of pitching is you don't have to have the best stuff. It's if you can put it in the best places. And K Noki is probably the guy that does that the best on USC. You mentioned, you know, the stats there, 2.98 ERA was the best of any starter. He only had 20 walks in 63 innings, and that's something you know that he doesn't give those free passes. And if you don't give free passes, you keep yourself out of a lot of trouble. So that's something uh, that you know I, I thought it was really interesting that Seth Etherton talked about how he's become more of a leader. He's taking some guys under his wing. We'll see what impact he has rubbing off on some of the other guys. So I, I think it, it, that's an easy one. Let me see if you got something a little bit more difficult for me. What's another superlative we got? All right. Well, we heard, you know, a couple names out of the mouth of Seth Etherton, but I'm not going to let you kick it off on this one. Who's your most impactful newcomer for USC? 
Now, unfortunately, I've seen your answers, so I, I want to pick something else. But this is going to be the guy that I was going to pick the entire time is Xavier Martinez. I'm super excited about him, the CSUN transfer, uh, because I think he can do multiple things. You know, if they, if someone does go down the weekend or someone struggles, he's a guy that you can move up into a weekend rotation spot and have confidence with. He at CSUN, he was probably their most dynamic reliever, and he was their stopper. He wasn't necessarily their closer, but anytime there was a fire, he was coming in to put it out. And I think that's a role he could have at USC. He could also be your back end guy. He could be in the eighth inning, he could be in the ninth inning, whatever you kind of need. So I think his versatility means he'll have a bigger impact than a couple of the other guys. Though I'm equally as excited about Brock Blatter. And also Jared Ficus, who I, I got a chance to talk to during the summer, and I was really impressed with uh, you know just him talking and whatnot, and did a story on him for the for the site. But uh, you know, I, I think both of those, all three of those guys, those transfers are have a chance to be really important for USC. But I think the most impactful one is Xavier Martinez because of that versatility. Yeah, I think we heard it from Andy Stankowitz. He, he called him a Swiss Army knife when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and that's exactly what he can be for USC. You know, don't be surprised if he maybe gets a start. You know during the season or he throws in you know a really big sixth inning if USC needs it he could come in in the ninth inning like USC will try and use him anywhere I think stopper was the perfect word that you used had a 2.29 ERA at CSUN last year in 35 and a third innings made a team high 22 appearances as a freshman shotgun still had a 3.03 ERA two years ago so he has had almost a sterling track record so far in college baseball had two seasons at CSUN now has made the move and is deciding to pitch at USC worked out really well for USC last year with a CSUN transfer in Blake Sonderston and I think USC hopes they can get the same thing in Xavier Martinez but I think you hit it on the nose too Brock Brock Blatter and Jared Ficus both will be huge for USC but when you're talking about who's going to make the biggest impact this year I think it's going to be Martinez you could see Blatter have a little bit more potential but I think with what you're looking at right now Martinez is exactly what USC needed to bring in in that bullpen yeah, and one of the things that was, is most impressive about him is seeing him grow. And you know, I mentioned this with Seth Etherton, but his freshman year, he had 20 strikeouts and 29 innings. His numbers were really good. Like you said, a three ERA, basically, his two and a record. He was used pretty consistently for CSUN, but he took it to another level last year 45 strikeouts in 35 innings. So his strikeouts per nine, you know, almost doubled there. You know, it was pretty impressive to see him become more of a strikeout pitcher and find a pitch. Uh, I think it was the slider that he was using that, you know, he was able to get some more swings and misses with. So taking that next step. Now we'll see under Seth Etherton, new pitching coach, you know, after being under Dave Serrano at, at uh, CSUN, you'll see if, uh, if he can take another, take another step forward. And, you know, if he becomes even more dynamic, he's a guy that I only see being at USC for a year. Cause I think he's a draft guy. I think he's a guy that they'll, they will lose after this year, but we'll see how everything kind of plays out with only being 20 20 round draft nowadays let's go to the next superlative shotgun this one's ready to take the next step i went with josh blum the junior reliever who could potentially factor in that back end of the bullpen for usc and you know he had a good season last year 3.34 era one of three trojans to make 30 or more appearances ended up throwing i think 32 innings there were times last year though where he didn't throw a lot of strikes he had a short leash sometimes he'd come in and he faced one batter and andy stankowitz would pull him out and we've already heard from andy stankowitz there were some big changes made this offseason lost over 25 pounds to really transform his body because uh, I think he hopes to pick up what, a little bit of what USC lost in the offseason with Garrett, Garrett Clark and Kyle Wish leaving from the back end of the bullpen. So I think Josh Blum is primed to really take the next step this season and Pac-12 coaches think the same. He, him alongside Caden Aoki as USC pitchers were named preseason all Pac-12. So 
Josh Blum is a guy who has a really nice uh, fastball. We've we heard from Seth Atherton up to 95 miles an hour. Got a really good slider as well. Could potentially push for that back end of the bullpen spot. And I think that he could potentially raise his game from last season. And it's interesting. He could do that. And he still had dynamic numbers last year. He's mm-hmm. 3-0, 3-3-4 ERA, uh, 1-1-1 uh, whip. 40 Ks and 32 innings and only 12 walks. And you know, Seth Etherton even mentioned like if he throws strikes even more consistently, like it, so I, I think he's willing to challenge hitters, but it's getting in the great counts to, to help him be even more successful. Uh, so Josh Blum is, is a good pick. That's a fine pick, but the answer is Eric Hammond. He's ready to take the next step. Uh, we've heard it from everyone that, you know, it's, it's just being basically two years removed now from Tommy John surgery He's ready to to be a big time guy for them, and you know I, I thought last year that they would get a little bit more out of him, and that's the it, it's always dangerous to think that about anyone coming off Tommy John because you don't really know, um, and you know just he wasn't able to strike guys out like he was before the the injury, so I think that's something that we'll see more of this year, just more consistency with his pitches. So, and if you get that, then and now he can locate. Now he's in better counts because he did walk 30 guys in 52 innings last year. So I think he's ready to take the next step. And if he does, and Strom's board takes another step, like we're hearing that he's going to, they might, they will have the, what's the best way to put it? They, they'll have the most fearsome rotation in the Pac 12 that no one's going to talk about. Because no one's going to be like, oh, that's a big first-round draft pick at the front of it. Because there are other guys in the Pac-12 that are those guys. But that's not going to be the case at, 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 uh, between those three guys necessarily this year. But they could be the collection of them maybe better than everybody else in the Pac-12. Oregon State's going to be up there. You know, There's some other teams that have some really good uh, rotations. UCLA always is really good. But USC is definitely going to be in that mix. And how can you deny the fact that you know they led the you know led the league in ERA last year? So we'll see what they do. And I think that Eric Hammond plays a big part in that. Yeah, I'll have more on Eric Hammond later. I I, I the way that I <laughs> arranged my superlatives, I think they make a little bit more sense. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is swing guys. And you know, last week we talked about these are guys that their improvement could really swing where this team could go or where the pitching staff could go. Uh, and I also wanted to kind of go with the play on words here. I'm going to go with Fisher Johnson because he is a guy that can kind of swing in, in the roles that he has. He could be a one inning reliever. He could be a uh, you know a three or four inning reliever, which is kind of what he did last year with 41 and a third innings in 24 appearances. But also. I was with him this summer and he was used as a starting pitcher said he wanted to develop that as part of his game and Chuck and he had five starts and went 30 innings. So he averages six innings a start only gave up five earned runs all summer. So he was really good. And I think USC could really benefit from if they get 40 innings out of him again, instead of a 6.1 ERA, which he had last year, despite flashing some good things at times, if he can have a better ERA and if he can, you know, really limit the runs and the walks and the hits uh, like he did this summer, that could really help USC because if you get 40 innings of a three ERA instead of 40 innings of a six ERA, that'll be a big help for USC when he goes those three innings on a Saturday game or, you know, throws a a couple innings on a Sunday to try and clinch a series. I want to say the answer here should be Tyler Strong's board. And that's because of what we saw early in the season. Um, You know, the, the stretch, you know, the Utah game, the Washington State game, San Diego State, that, that three or four-week stretch where he was lights out for them. If they get that on Saturday and you got consistency from Caden Aoki, then it's going to be 
you know, like I said, the rotation gets deeper and deeper. Those guys get into games deeper and deeper. It's just going to be the the pitching could be really, really, really good. But I'm not going to say that. It's not going to be my answer. My answer is going to be Channing Austin because he's the guy that we keep hearing everyone talk about. And he's kind of forgotten because he came to USC from Virginia two, three years ago now. Again, Tommy John surgery coming back. But everyone just keeps mentioning him over and over. He's the guy that everyone mentions. We are not bringing him up. And yet I've heard from every coach that I've talked to and anyone around the program I've talked to, they've mentioned his name at least without being prompted. So he's a guy I think that maybe that's a breakout candidate. Maybe he's, But I think if he pitches to his potential, you don't go to Virginia out of high school if you're not good. You know, Virginia is one of the elite programs in the country, and they develop pitchers really well. So to come to USC to find more velocity, if he becomes a guy for them, I, I think that, that makes them even deeper and makes them even stronger in whatever role he has. Another guy, again, they could, could pitch multiple roles. Yeah, I think he profiles a little bit to the way Toby Spock did for the team last year, where it was pretty obvious that mm-hmm. Spock had the liveliest arm out of the bullpen. The question was, are you going to get strikes? And, you know, when I went to one of the scrimmages before the season, the scouts were there, they had their radar guns, and you could hear a little bit of chatter when he took the mound and he was warming up. And that fastball, that's got some life to it. The problem was, you know, he didn't throw a lot of strikes on that day, and USC's got to really try and hone in his arm, you know, make him a pitcher, not a thrower, and see if he can get 97 in the strike zone, because shotgun, you, you know, you and I know it, and kind of everyone around baseball knows it. 97 out of the strike zone doesn't do you very, you know, doesn't do you very good. So you, you really want to see Channing Austin come in and throw strikes, you know, limit the long ball, everything like that, that sometimes can plague pitchers with a lot of velocity. But I think you're right. If USC can get that out of him, then it'll it'll be a big step for the pitching staff. And he's only made two career appearances. I was there for one of them uh, when he pitched at CSUN in 2022, and it wasn't anything special. He got one out, he walked two guys, and those two guys ended up coming around to score. Uh, and that's the thing. Can you throw strikes? But he has the profile. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He's athletic. He moves well off the mound. Uh, he has all those motions. I, I think he probably holds runners pretty well. Uh, not something I've asked about indirectly, but you know, does all those other things around the pitching. So now it just comes down to throwing strikes. So we'll see if, if he's a guy that can do that. Yeah, the, the, the next superlative that we've got is staff captain. We talked about it last week as well. This is just someone, you know, they lead and, and you know what you're going to get out of them. This is where I went with Tyler Stromsborg and kind of for one main reason, he's going to give you innings no matter what. Now, there were times last year where it wasn't amazing. There were some times where it was, but no matter what, you were getting a lot of innings out of him. Through 75 innings last year, had a 5.23 ERA, but he's got 136 innings across the last two seasons shotgun, the most by a USC pitcher since Kyle Hurts, 155 between 2018 and 2019 now Cal Hurt made his major league debut last year I think Tyler Stromsburg would love to end up doing that but this is just a guy that you are going to get a lot of innings out of he's going to be moved to Saturday so we'll see how he handles that transition but I this is a guy that's going to lead by example he's going to be out there he's going to give you five or six innings to start sometimes he'll you know give up a handful of runs but there are times like he had a, a shutout, complete game shutout against Utah last year where he shows the potential. And I think if he can reach that, then it makes sense where you think he could be a guy that's ready to take the next step. And like you mentioned earlier, but at a, at a baseline level, you were going to get innings out of Tyler Stromsburg, which is so important over the weekend. Yeah, and I, I, that is important. I'm actually going to go a little bit different and staff captain. I don't know if this is the right place to necessarily put him, but Jared Ficus, I think the experience that he brings 
he's the only guy on the roster that has pitched in a regional. So he pitched in a regional last year. And hey, who's this team that they've, you know, that uh, they got in over them in the Pac 12? Oh, Arizona. That's the team he beat in a regional. So uh, a little bit of extra love there for him from, from the USC uh, teammates, I'm sure. Uh, but he he's a guy that can do different things. And, you know, maybe you, you put him at the back end of the game. Maybe you put him in the closer role. Or, you know, he's a, he's a low slot guy, so you can use him. He can go multiple innings. So his last two games last year, I, th- I think he started against St. Mary's in the in the WCC tournament and went seven and a third innings. And then, the you know, his next game, he comes out, uh, and he pitches in the regional, he throws three innings to get a three and then save. So, like, at Santa Clara, he was able to do multiple roles. So I think that's another thing that you can use him for. He can he can go, you know, he can go – you can lengthen him out and use him as a starter or use him as a long reliever. And because of the low arm slot and the fact that he, you know, he gets some run on the ball and stuff, you can use him as a ground ball guy. You know, there's just different ways you can use him. And the fact that he is a older senior, I think he's a fifth – or six year senior. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's an older senior. He's coming. He came to USC. He was coming to USC pretty much regardless. And because he wanted to go to the grad program at USC. So, you know, it's not about just baseball for him. So there there's more there. You know, he's just, he, he, I think he's a guy that some of those younger arms that are talented arms that haven't put it all together yet can lean on as someone who's been through a lot in his career, because he's basically, you know, he's, when he started his career, you know, he was, he was on the mound for, for Santa Clara. So he's been out there for a, for a good amount of innings in his career, looking up his career number right here. And he's, you know, he's told 172 innings in his yeah. career as a guy that's not a full-time starter. So made 52 appearances. Uh, so I think he's a guy that, that other guys can lean on. And if, if they've been able to Im- improve his stuff, even I think he becomes a weapon as well. And, and you know, therefore more people are even going to want to, you know, pick his brain and whatnot. Yeah. A lot of experience also very smart too. I mean, you come to get a majors at USC and stem cell biology and regenerative yeah. medicine. That does not sound like something I want to do, but smart people <laughs> are, are, are probably pretty good at that. So I would listen to Jared Ficus if I was one of USC's younger, younger pitchers. I think that's a good pick. Shock and the final superlative we have is breakout. This is where I went with Eric Hammond. I think it makes a little bit more sense because yes, he's ready to take the next step, but I, I still don't think he's really broken out. He pitched a lot for USC last year, but didn't get talked about not a lot of eyes on what he was doing because it kind of I feel like is against the kind of pitcher that he is going to be he didn't strike out a lot of guys he he limited hits he limited walks Uh, you know he had a decent ERA 4.82 and 52 in a third innings but this is a guy that's going to blow you away with a fastball that's kind of the guy he wants to be mid 90s uh, some power breaking pitches as well so I think this is going to be a big breakout year for Hammond where we've seen him be a pitcher and he had to kind of finesse a little bit with the velocity down coming off Tommy John last year but I think he wants to be a little bit more of a power pitcher with that fastball some of his other pitches so I think he's kind of going to break out of that cocoon coming out of Tommy John surgery and show the kind of pitcher he really is this year. I one person tell me that the breaking ball has shown elite sharpness. So, you know, if he, if that's the case, you're going to get swings and misses. You're going to get uh, some outs there. He's going to be able to strike more guys out and, you know, it's going to make him even more dangerous of a pitcher. Uh, you know, I got a couple guys that I was considering for this. Will Watson, the Juco transfer up to 96, but again, he's got to throw more strikes. Um, and then one other one lost my, lost my list here. One other one, um, uh, 
was the the freshman Mason Edwards. You know, hearing uh, Seth to talk about him, the lefty, that the fact that he's going to be a midweek starter for him, I think, well, that tells me if you're beating out Xavier Martinez and Brock Bladder and all these guys, now maybe they want to be able to use them multiple times in a week, and that's why they're going with Edwards. And hey, we're just going to have you throw one time. We're not going to worry about you know the rehab and all that type stuff. Uh, so maybe that's part of the reason why they went with him as a freshman. You know, keep it simplified a little bit. But you basically beat out all those guys to be the fourth starter. So that tells me that you know there, there might be something special there. So there might be a breakout candidate there. But my answer is Brock Bladder because basically did not pitch at all at Alabama. I think he had one or two appearances, very little. Uh, and I just I, – I, I saw him pitch in high school at the area code games. It's intriguing. The talent is there. And I think working with Seth Etherton, I think he's going to put it together. And I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, takes a big step forward and becomes, you know, an important pitcher for USC after basically not pitching at all at Alabama. So I think he comes to USC, becomes an important guy. Maybe next year he's in the rotation and then he becomes a draft guy for USC. That's the, 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 the path I see forward for six foot six, 230 pound Montana, former quarterback, all those things, big bodied, big fastball. And, you know, he he can bring it. And I, I think that, if he starts having a little bit of success early, it's only going to build the confidence. I think he'll be a guy that can be really good for USC. Yeah, he's already been a draft guy, too. He was drafted coming out of high school. Yep. No one gets drafted out of Montana, but he was the first player since 2014 to be drafted out of the state, taken by the uh, by the Cubs in the 19th round, but decided to go to Alabama. And, you know, he made six appearances as a reliever, had a 4.5 ERA in eight innings. Shucking in the SEC, he struck out 12 in eight innings. And now he's coming to the Pac-12. You know, he's got a chance to be a pitcher for USC that can come in. He could pick up strikeouts, and we'll see what role you know, they're going to use him in. Sounded like for Andy Stankwitz, he still wants to see a little bit more from Bladder. And that's why I said, you know, for the newcomer uh, superlative, maybe that's not this year that we see the best form of Brock Bladder because they might use him a little bit more next year. We'll see. I believe he's draft eligible because of his age, kind of like Austin O'Vern after being a sophomore, but I've got to fact check that. But, you know, this is a guy that has the potential. You've seen it. Number one player coming out of the state of Montana in 2022 and has wound up at USC. And I, I just think it's going to be up to Seth Etherton and the coaching staff to unlock that potential. But I'm excited to see whether they can. Now I just want to know who's the last player because my guess is that it's Brendan Nimmo, but is there somebody in between the last person I, to be drafted I should from look that up. It was Montana, not Wyoming. Oh, I, my bad. I've got uh, to look that up. 2014. Nimmo's, Nimmo's from Wyoming. They, those are the same state to me. They're you talk, I'll look it up. Conglomeration. So, uh, um, anyways, let's move forward. Though we talked about our superlatives. Anybody, anybody else that you wanted to mention from the pitchers that we haven't talked about? Uh, I think we kind of touched on a little bit of everybody. Uh, there's a couple other guys that you know, Michael Ebner. You mentioned Fisher Johnson. You know, could one of those guys take a big step forward and become? a regular guy for him. And I think that that's the biggest thing is there's so many guys that we're looking to see what jumps they make, but there's so many more options. And Hey, if Fisher Johnson doesn't pitch well, or Josh Blum doesn't pitch well, or who, do you still have another option there? Be, rather than being like, we got to put Kyle wish out there and we got to put Gary Clark out there in any game that's close because those are the two guys that we trust and everyone else. We trust them sometimes but not consistently. So that's why, you know, those guys, I mean, Blum was the other guy last year, but um, you know, wish had 32 appearances. Josh Blum had 30, Garrett Clark had 26, Caden Connolly had 31. Who's no longer with the program. Uh, So, you know, after that, 
they just didn't really trust anybody. So those four guys racked up a ton of uh, appearances and maybe they wore down a little bit at the end of the season. Whereas this year, I think there's just more options and they're going to feel more confident with guys to, to be able to throw them in there. So if anyone does look like showing a little bit of signs of fatigue, all right, let's get them out for the rest of the weekend or whatever it is. And, you know, be able to, to trust other guys out there. Yeah, I think we, you know, I don't want to just gloss over William Watson. I think he's a, another guy that could be something for USC. He's got a similar profile, at least on paper, to a Brock Bladder. You know, the difference is just the body. Uh, Bladder is a guy that's 6'6, you know, he's a big guy. Watson 6'1, 180, but he's still got the fastball up to 96. And he's had success at the junior college level, some of the lower levels. You know, 2022 had a 1.82 ERA with Cal Lutheran, went to the JUCO level last year at San Joaquin Delta College, 2.97 ERA and 57 innings. So this is a guy that has gotten it done at a couple different collegiate levels. The fastball is there, it's real. But the question is, can he get it done? you know, at the D1 level in a good conference in the Pac-12. That's kind of what you're waiting to see. But that's another guy that maybe if USC can unlock him, the staff takes a step to the next level as well. Yeah, I think he's a converted shortstop. So, you know, he's the slider is good too. It's just locating the fastball. It's not, you know, the fastball, the velocity doesn't matter if you're not locating it. If it's in the middle of the plate, you're going to get hit around. That's what happened a couple times during the fall is you walk a guy and then throw a ball in the middle of the plate uh, and, and get hit. So we'll see if he's taking that next step because a lot of times we see guys either one way or the other can be completely different pitchers from the fall to the spring. So we'll see you know where he's at. Let's move forward, though. We get to preview for for we've been previewing the season. Let's preview who the Trojans are going to play this week. They will be playing in the MLB Desert Invitational, which will be out in Arizona, the Phoenix area. Now that's being played in a couple different parks and a couple different areas. I'll be bouncing around all over from Mesa to um Mesa to Scottsdale, Scottsdale to where I'm trying to think of where Oregon State's playing. They're playing out there in their own separate thing. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the, the town. Surprise. That's where they're at. Um, Peoria. Peoria. I think so. I think that's where surprise is. Surprise is its own city. Peoria is a different city. Oh, I thought it, I, th- I thought it was a surprise stadium in Peoria, potentially. I, I, I have to look this surprise up. Surprise Arizona. And then also Tempe because uh, Santa Clara actually is going to be playing Arizona State. Santa Clara like we mentioned where Jared Ficus came from returns a lot of guys and they're going to be really good in the WCC. So that I'm interested to see them. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take that series at Arizona state to start the season, but let's look at what the Trojans are going to face. They're going to go up against BYU first. You know, BYU was 24 and 28 last year in the WCC, their last season in the WCC because they are now in the big 12. That's going to take me a couple of minutes to get used to, but they are in the big 12. Um, they, Lost a couple of big time players. Austin Deming hit like 418 last year and, you know, just led the WCC in a ton of categories. May have even been the WCC. I think it was WCC co player of the year with Christian Almanza from St. Mary's. But they lose a couple pieces. They do have pitching depth and they always have some guys with some big time arms. So we'll see who starts the, you know, on Friday for them. Uh, Bryce Robinson is a, Robinson is a uh, potential guy who's not an overpowering guy, but is a big time competitor. I've seen him for about three years now, pitching in different you know areas. I got some great photos of him screaming and howling coming off a mound. I think at LMU one one year, so he's a, a, a big competitor. He's a guy that could be in the uh, their Friday guy. 
but they also have some big time arms in, in a couple other guys. So we'll see, you know, who ends up being their Friday starter and how USC kind of uh, deals with that. Yeah. And, and you've got Caden Aoki going for USC. This is a chance for him to start his season on the right foot. You know, I believe this will be his first Friday start ever. So, you know, we'll see how he can handle that. He's also, you know, an opening day start, something you don't take lightly as a pitcher. So I think it's a good time for Caden Aoki to come out, start his season on, on the right foot. And for USC, you're just looking for them to show that they can handle expectations. You know, BYU, a team that comes in with lower expectations. So you'd assume that USC can handle business, but it's college baseball. Anything can happen. Uh, so you're just looking for USC to go out there, handle the expectations, handle the travel well, and show that, you know, hopefully at least a little glimmer of hope for USC fans that they can be real this season. Yeah, BYU was not picked very high in the, the Big 12 this season, uh, which should be a really deep league. But BYU always has some stocky boys. They got some some guys because, you know, a lot of guys have gone on missions and things, have come back, and they may be 23, 24 years old um, playing so they've got some older guys as well, some grown man strength a little bit. A lot of times, though, their MO has been they take hacks, but they swing and miss. So they rack up some strikeouts as well, which plays right in with Caden Aoki and that changeup. So we'll see you know, them against BYU. On Saturday, it's actually good for USC that they play BYU on Friday, and then they play Grand Canyon on Saturday because Grand Canyon's got a dude on Friday and Daniel Avedia. So they will skip him more than likely unless, you know, Grand Canyon flips up their rotation for some reason. Um, Grand Canyon, 37-21 last year. They won the WAC. They were 22-7 and their first year with uh, host Andy Stankiewicz, but they lost to Sam Houston in the WAC tournament, so they did not make the NCAA tournament. They will play – USC will go back to one real quick. They'll play BYU at Sloan Park in Mesa at 4 p.m., 4 p.m. Pacific uh, on Friday. On Saturday, they'll play at Salt River Fields at Talking Stick in Scottsdale at 5 p.m., and Sunday they'll be back at Sloan Park in Mesa at 4 p.m. So sandwiching two games at 4 p.m. in Mesa with one game 5 p.m. in Scottsdale. Grand Canyon, what stands out to you about the Lopes? You know, they second year removed from those. This will be the first time they'll get to see their former uh, head coach and you know Andy Stankwitz. I'm sure that'll be an interesting game for him, having you know recruited most of those guys through that team. Yeah, you, you and you lose a big player as well. And Jacob Wilson, of course, went to the A's yeah. in the first round of the draft last year. But this is a team that's expected to run it back, uh, to, picked to to finish at least near the top, maybe the winners of the WAC, you know, once again under Greg Wallace. So you've, you've got some hitters there as well. Zach York, who actually I played with in high school, um, you know, he, he's a left-handed hitting catcher slash first baseman that hit a lot of home runs last year, six foot two, two ninety, really gets power behind the ball. Uh, but you mentioned USC catches a break, missing the Friday starter, getting to play GCU on Saturday. But you know, this is one of those teams that which Andy Stankwitz comes from GCU, obviously, that I'm sure he's going to tell them we can't take them lightly. This is a team that dominates their conference in the WAC, it has the ability to play spoiler here to, to, the, start, to the start of our season. Um, and I think that Andy Stankwitz coming from GCU, at least, he'll make USC respect them and you know go out the, on the field, not playing a power five team, of course, but USC will take GCU seriously on Saturday. I think you can you can be assured of that considering Andy Stankwitz's background. Yeah, and we'll see if Carter Young is the guy that pitches for them uh, on Saturday. Uh, like I said, I think Avidia will be the Friday guy. Carter Young is a veteran guy, small guy. He's only like 5'10", like 150 pounds, and he wears down later in the season. But his stuff is really good, especially early in the season. He's worked to put on some weight, I've been told. So, you know, we'll see if his stuff is playing up a little bit more. He got beat up some last year after having a really good freshman year. Uh, he helped 
lead them to the regional that they played in under Andy Stankiewicz uh, or back-to-back regionals they had. So he's a guy that is experienced and can get out hitters pretty consistently. Um, He's not a guy that's going to leave a bunch of balls over the plate. So you're going to have to beat him rather than him beating himself. And then on Sunday, USC will play their future conference rival in Ohio State. Ohio State's coming off a season. They were 31-25, but only 9-15 in the Big Ten. They fired their head coach. They now have first-year head coach Bill Mozello in, who was a longtime assistant at TCU, uh, helped build that program into what it has become, you know, first under Jim Sloshnagel and then under Kirk Sarloose. But uh, Ohio State, coming back, they went 12-18 and 18 on the road. Anything that stands out to you about Ohio State? I just think it'll be a cool opportunity for USC, kind of like they will get later in the season when they play Michigan at home. Just an opportunity to see what Big Ten baseball is like. I don't think USC played a Big Ten team last year in non-conference play. They'll get a chance to play two of them this season. A little bit of a preview for what could be to come uh, when USC makes the move from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. Uh, But these are two teams that did struggle on the road last year so you wonder what a neutral site effect can have on the game but I, I think it'll just be really cool to see you know the cardinal and gold versus the silver and red uh, because you're going to be seeing it a lot in the future similar to how usc will play michigan later in the year yeah and this could actually be an interesting matchup de- depending on how their rotation plays out gavin bruni could be their you know their number three this year he and he's similar to hammond they may be the best pro prospects in the starting rotation but haven't had as much success and, you know, so that's why they're on Sundays versus being on Friday or Saturday. So if that's the case, it could be a really intriguing matchup in that regard. Uh, but Ohio State lost a couple transfers as well last year after the coaching change and everything. So it, it don't really know too much about what we're going to see from them. They've got a couple freshmen that they're high on, but you know, it could go kind of any way. I'll, I'll be interested to see them when I get out there. I think I'll actually see them on Friday because they're playing Boston College, who also has a new first-year head coach. So I think I'll get a chance to see them on Friday, and then we'll we'll see if I see them on Sunday against USC as well. Uh, but it, it's, it's an intriguing opening weekend. Now, you mentioned that you'll get to see USC. You'll be able to watch them. You can watch all three games. The Friday and Sunday games will be streamed live on MLB TV and the Saturday game will actually be on MLB network. So if you don't get a chance to go out to the desert, you do get a chance to still watch them if you, if you want to. Yeah. And I'll point out two things as well. If you're in Arizona, Saturday might be the best game to go to talking stick in Scottsdale is in my opinion, the best spring training stadium. I believe the Rockies and Diamondbacks split that one during the spring, but I was there on spring break last year. I think it was at a Dodgers guardians game or I forget exactly which game I was at, but it was a really good game. And Talking Stick is just one of the best spring training stadiums. I believe when I was there, too, they were selling Caleb Williams autographed Trojan helmets last year. So for a USC fan, you can kind of get a little two-in-one experience there. Uh, And then also the, the big thing I'm looking for on Sunday is what does USC do with its pitchers because normally shotgun on Sundays, you're coming off a weekend series. You've got a plan to play again on Tuesday. USC has to plan to play on Tuesday and Wednesday. So they've got three neutral site games, you know, in the heat in Arizona, and then you play Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, one one game against UC San Diego and one game against LMU at LMU. So the Trojans really have to, I think, be careful about the way that they use their arms in the first weekend, because you're, you know, Seth Atherton said they've brought the guys back. They've built them up, but, 
it's different pitching, you know, at home or in the inner squads than it is pitching in Arizona when you're fully competing for the first time in the year. So you want to make sure USC doesn't tire out all the arms because they do have two midweek games to play. And then the series against Portland next weekend. So that's one thing I'm really going to be watching is how does Seth Etherton use the puzzle pieces? How does he stack guys? Do, does anyone go three days of the weekend, which would kind of probably make them not able to pitch on Tuesday or Wednesday? You know, who goes two times? Well, we'll I'm just interested to see how they use the arms considering they have two midweek games to play. I'd be very surprised if anyone goes three times. Uh, maybe even be surprised if anyone goes three times this first week just because mm-hmm. it is the first week of the season. I don't really have to worry about the heat there, Jack. It's only going to be, That's it's gonna be 50s to, to mid-70s. I would like it to be a little bit warmer, to be honest, because I'm going out there. But I will take whatever to get away from the northeastern cold. That I've, I been there when it's, I've been there when it's 105 plus. Us, and I think you'd prefer it to be in the seventies than there at least. So mm, I don't know. I like the heat. I'm perfectly fine with the heat. I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit different in that regard. I like the PAC 12 tournament the- being hot as hell. It's fine with me after being out here and being cold. I'd rather be warm than cold. Uh, but uh, anything else that you want to, to mention about this weekend's matchups or just the Trojans in general, as they get ready for the 2024 season coming off a year where they're probably one win away if not two wins away from being in the first regional since 2015 and only the second one since what 2005. So can they take that next step? This program has been close, has been one or two games away like that about, I want to say three other times or two other times. So three times at least that they could have been a regional team and a four regionals in 20 years looks a lot better than one. Uh, It's not great, but it looks a lot better We'll see if they can take that next step and get over the hump this year. What? Wh- any last thoughts from you, or any things that, or what's the biggest thing that you may think that uh, that will contribute to them being able to get over that hump? I, yeah, I just think it, it'll be interesting to see because this is the first time I think the team can give us answers to some of the questions or expectations that they've people have had about them over the offseason you know you and I mentioned in our first episode back that we didn't talk about this team until midseason last year there weren't expectations then we've done three episodes now before the start of this year so there's more hype around the team you're 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 having people around Southern California and you know USC alumni start to believe in baseball again there's a lot of adversity that they're going to be going up against but this is kind of the first time that they can go out there and show on the field the answers to some of the questions and expectations that people have had over the offseason. So that's kind of what I'm interested to see. Are they for real? Can they go out there, play against, you know, three different teams, which is three different scouting reports, you know, three different programs coming from three different areas, one moving to the Big 12, you know, a team in GCU who is at the top of a, of a non-Power 5 uh Pro, uh, non-Power 5 conference, as well as Ohio State, who's already in the Big Ten. So I'm just really interested to see what kind of answers we can get. And I think if if you ask the the one thing that I think can prove that this team is real, it will be the pitching, because that's what carried them last year. And if Seth Etherton's right, that they can, instead of leading the Pac-12 and ERA, maybe go up there on the national leaderboard, that will really carry this team a lot, especially because I think we have a lot more questions about the offense than we do the pitching. But if the pitching can give the offense time to figure it out and answer those you know, concerns or questions, that'll be big for the future of this team. We'll be interested to see for sure. Uh, like the biggest thing, though, is just there's so much more depth. There's so many more options that the coaching staff won't be forced to play someone out, even if they're struggling. You know, and that was the case at times last year where we got to put this guy in. 
because other people aren't getting the job done. Now you feel consistent, like that, that, that there will be someone else there to pick up the slack if someone is tired or someone is struggling, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's the most exciting thing is that a year ago, going into the season, said it's not a ton of talent on this team. And now you feel like these there's some guys here. And there's a, guys that were on the team last year that maybe didn't think that there was a ton of talent that have taken big jumps forward. And now you've got, you've got to keep your eye on for sure. And plus the transfers coming in, the freshmen coming in, they've done a really good job. I'm excited to see what the Trojans can do. And I'm excited to get out there to the desert to see them opening weekend. But that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the, T- the Dato Download Podcast, part of the Pear Style Podcast family. I'm your host, Shotgun Spelling, saying thank you to Seth Etherton for joining us. Thank you to everyone for taking the time to listen. And especially thank you to my co-host, Jack Smith. Please like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review on your podcast listening platform. And we hope that you can join us for the next episode of the Dato Download Podcast.